Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I'm Dana. I'm stoked. (laughs) The subject matter of this episode is so near and dear to my heart for many reasons. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions about movement coaching and movement direction recently. Uh, Actually, this has been happening for quite some time now, like not just recently, but especially since the development of the Choreographers Guild and the release of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which I worked on as a pre-production movement coach. So today we are digging into movement direction, movement coaching, and choreography. What do they mean? What is the difference? What do those people do? Like, what do they actually do? How do you become one? And I'm not going to lie, we're, we're not actually going to talk so much about how you're going to become one, but in finding out what they do, you might be able to fill in those blanks for yourself. That's, I, I don't know where you stand today. So how you become a movement <laughs> director or a movement coach is probably different uh, than what somebody else would do to become a movement director or a coach. Oh, God, I'm blabbering. Um, First, we're going to do wins. I'm so excited to announce today. Not so much a dance or professional-related win, but a win nonetheless. Get ready for it. I found a parking hack. Oh, yes, my friend. In Los Angeles, if you find a parking hack, you hold on tight. So I'm not even going to announce mine on the podcast because I am that serious about it. If everybody starts doing it, it will not be a hack anymore. Um, I'll, I'll say this, Doc Weiler Beach down by LAX is my husband and my favorite beach because there are fire pits. You can legally light stuff on fire there and the aircrafts fly overhead. The plane's taking off right above you. It's that Wayne's World moment. You've got a fire, you've got loud, you've got beach, you've got ocean. It's great. Um, but during these summer months, Those evening bonfires are really, really hard to achieve unless you post up at the beach in the morning. Um, The last two times I went to Dockweiler, it was very, very difficult and time-consuming to get in. Um, And then this past time, the lot was full, could not get in. So I found a Dockweiler parking hack. And if you want to know about it, you can follow Words That Move Me on Instagram and send us a little direct message. Happy to tell you about it, but I'm not going to blast it out here. I'm no fool. All right, now you go. What's going well in your world? Are you celebrating any any parking hacks? Any movement hacks? I'm also interested in that. Um, movement lessons? Life lessons? What's going on? Hit me. right congrats so proud of you my friend keep crushing it keep doing it keep moving through it now let's 
move through movement direction, movement coaching, and choreography. Y'all, I live for a segue. I love it. It's something that I've started to pack into my life <laughs> in the booth and outside the booth. All right, let's go. I'm going to take a side door to this topic, so go with me here. One of the many efforts of the Choreographers Guild is to, uh, uh, I would say we are embarking upon <laughs> this journey. We, I don't think we're close to a destination here, but we, we're hoping to define the roles and responsibilities of choreographers and their team members. What does the title of choreographer mean? What does the title of assistant choreographer mean? Um, we're hoping to answer those questions and other questions like, what does an assistant do? What should an assistant be prepared to do? At what point should an assistant be considered an associate? What is the difference between an associate and a co-choreographer? Is a supervising choreographer the same thing as a lead choreographer? <laughs> if you smell another episode coming, oh, you are hot on the trail, my friend. It's coming. But um, as you can imagine, there's a lot to unpack there. This is a challenging task to, to create these definitions. Um, it's challenging for many reasons, but chiefly because every choreographer is different from one to the next, all different. And every project is different from one to the next. So the roles and responsibilities of the people who are involved are also different from project to project and person to person. Bottom line, there is no one way to do the work. So there is no one way to be a choreographer, an assistant, an associate, or a movement director, a movement coach, or Oh, we'll talk a little bit about intimacy coordinators as well. Anyways, no one way to do that work, but we are working towards creating a great way to explain the expectations and the skill sets for each of those titles, each of those jobs. I suppose this would be a good time for a disclaimer, huh? <laughs> what I just said is very true. There is no one way to be a choreographer or an assistant, or a movement director, or a movement coach. Every one that I talk to about this has a subtly different take on what it means to be one and, you know, what the parameters are of that job title. Uh, and in the case of movement direction and movement coaching, there are as many ways to do it as there are people in the world. Um, actually, in last week's episode... Tuggy and I talked a little bit about movement direction versus movement coaching, and um, as she was speaking, I was thinking, hmm, that's a little different than, than my take or my way. So here we go. This is my take. Also, this is my perspective here, not the perspective of the Choreographers Guild. Um, these are parts of my personal notes, but I must underline the Choreographers Guild's definitions of these roles and responsibilities will be voted on and approved by our 40-person executive board. So there's that. <laughs> these are simply my thoughts. Take them, leave them, vote on them if you want. <laughs> um, part of my work as a steering committee member is to have conversations with 
our broader community, do research, and, and find out where people seem to align in our personal definitions of things and where we may disagree. It's in doing this work and in having these conversations that I have learned so much about what we are here to talk about today. Movement directors and movement coaches in relationship to choreography. Um, by the way, both movement directors and movement coaches and intimacy coordinators someday will become Choreographers Guild members. And I'm so excited about that. Okay, a lot to be excited about. Uh, let's focus. We'll start with choreography. What do choreographers do? I believe a choreographer's job is to facilitate the director's vision. And usually, but not always, they do this with dance. Choreographers should be able to construct and communicate their movement with specific timing, placement, and quality so that it can be repeated and performed by their cast, either in unison or individually, or like upside down or on their backs. Um, the, the, the construction of said choreography is deliberate, it is intentional, it is recreatable. Um, choreographers should also be prepared to cast, to schedule rehearsals, and to communicate with wardrobe, music, camera, lighting, production design departments, and more. Um, they should also be prepared to deliver full numbers, top to bottom, teach them, and clean them. They should be able to provide feedback on shots or takes, uh, if there should be another one or not. Um, they also uphold safety protocols and standards, uh, that protect not only their team, but the dancers on set. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> bet you didn't know how much choreographers do that isn't make up steps. So that's a choreographer in a nutshell in my mind. I'm super grateful for my time with the Choreographers Guild because there's so much to be learned and there's so much to be taught about what we do. And um, one of the things that I've learned in having these conversations about titles is a great segue into talking about movement directors. So directors specifically directors who belong to the DGA, or Directors Guild of America, they have worked very hard to protect the title director. The DGA actually has language that protects their members' creative rights and states that, quote, there will be one director to a film. It's literally there written in their, um, in their creative rights. One director to a film. And I understand why. Because if there were two, or three directors, or if everyone on set were the director of something, it might um, diminish or kind of muddle whose say is indeed final say. And if you have ever been in a room, whether it was a creative one or a, a professional one, but if you've ever witnessed somebody snap or recoil because they think their toes are being stepped on as far as the hierarchy of the workplace, then you can imagine why the DGA has worked so hard to claim and protect the word director exclusively for them 
exclusively for their teammates, like assistant director, associate director. Although the Directors Guild does also represent um, or include, I should say, stage managers and unit production managers and things like that. But I'm still reconciling directors of photography. They do not have a home at the DGA um, unless they are also also happen to be directors or assistant directors. Anyways, I'm still trying to reconcile that. Give me some time. I'll figure it out. All of this to say the DGA is not only a very powerful union, but they are an exclusive union. Not just anybody is getting in there. Directorial teams have worked really hard to defend these titles, and I don't predict they'll just be handing out the title of director or carving out a slice of their residual pies to include movement directors in their group. Movement directors have relatively low income and aren't even essential on all projects, so it's my line of thinking that we will see the title movement director used less and less and less and movement coach used more and more and more. Um, where will we be seeing movement directors? I think movement directors have a very special place on photo shoots, stills photo shoots, or even commercial shoots where stills are being shot. Um, let's say, for example, uh, for, for a real example, that the Met Gala wants every guest at the event to have a stunning photo and they want it to be, you know, kinetic or sleek or sexy. They want everybody to have their own thing and they want this to be something other than your average step and repeat, which is that plasticky vinyl backdrop in a red carpet where people awkwardly change their focus and slightly move their chin to give eyeballs to all the photographers in the room. We're talking one booth, gorgeous lighting, gorgeous humans in gorgeous clothing. Let's make sure they're not standing like Barbie and Ken. Um, let's hire a movement director. That movement director should be prepared to offer some form of physicality or physical encouragement that lends to an expression of that person's personality or possibly um, movement or a posture that accentuates the shape of their body, their lines, or maybe um, the shape and lines of what they're wearing. Um, a movement director should probably be prepared with a playlist that helps set a vibe, as they say. Although they may not be allowed to share that playlist, they should be prepared with it. Um, they might not have control over that, but that's fine. The movement director should also be prepared to suss out each person's inclination to move um, or in general kind of gauge the temperature of the moment. Offer a lot to the person who's giving a lot or willing to move a lot. Um, maybe know when it's time to step in and when it's time to step back. That is it, my friend. And mastery of that thing is the mark of a pro. So to wrap it up and put a bow on it, to me, a professional movement director offers verbal and or physical guidance to help accomplish a creative goal. They may be working with dancers. They may not be working with dancers. They may be moving one body in one space or many bodies through one space or one body through many spaces. But this rarely includes giving a count, giving specific timing, giving specific um, unison, recreatable phrase. This is pretty 
much without that. <laughs> How's that for specific? Yeah, that's my bottom line. All right. Now, let's let's move on because we're getting into my uh, the area where I really light up. Let's talk about movement coaching. Holy smokes. What does a movement coach do? How is it different than movement direction? Is it different from movement direction? We're about to find out. Let's get down to this question right here. What does a movement coach do? Obviously, they do different things for different people on different projects. Maybe that's not so obvious, but I'll just put that out there right at the top. But to me, the thread that ties it all together, all the different projects, all the different people and ways of doing it, the thread that ties it together is teaching. A movement coach teaches. And I think that after working with a great movement coach, someone should expect to be better at movement. Versus when working with a movement director, again, to me, director comes, director goes. The talent may feel inspired or may look better in the moment because of the direction, but their skill level is more or less unchanged. Movement coaches make lasting changes. I think movement direction happens on the day in the spot. Um, I spoke to my acting teacher, Gary Imhoff, in episode 112, and he speaks about teaching with the goal of basically teaching himself out of a job. I think a good teacher makes themselves obsolete by giving their students or pupils or whatever you want to call them the tools to work and work for themselves to do great work even while the coach is not there. And by the way, movement coaches can serve as pre-production. They can be on set. Um, they're usually involved in pre-production and preparation for the role because of exactly this. I have pocket coaches. I have had favorite teachers and favorite coaches that I I. I know so well and I've learned so deeply their lessons that I feel like I have them in my pocket. And uh, I, I hope that the people I coach have a tiny Dana with them too. <laughs> so broadly, that's how it looks to me. A movement coach is an excellent and informed teacher. A movement director is an excellent and informed guide. In the moment, right there, with you, and then and then gone, <laughs> vaporized into the night. Um, but let's go a little deeper here. That's, that's my broad answer. On the what do they do front, like technically what do they do, um, let's say on a theatrical project like a TV show or a film, uh, the movement coach's first job is to decipher and deconstruct what is called for. Who are the characters? What informs their movement? What is the location, the period, all sorts of context? Then comes the research, my friend. My favorite. I love the research so much. Not only will a great movement coach research the character on the page, but also the person in the room, the person you are working with. What's their current degree of comfort moving? What's their skill level? What's their, um, uh, what are their other interests that might play into dance or movement in general. For example, movements, athletes, they might have a, um, a metaphorical leg up because they may already know how to count music, for example, or transfer weight quickly. So doing a little background is, is key, I think. Um, I think a good movement coach will also gauge 
this person's style of learning, style of communicating, degree of comfort with um, learning off of a camera or learning uh, from written notes or learning from notes on video, all sorts of, of nuances there. And then once you have researched the characters, the context of the story, the script and what it calls for, and you understand your raw material, the person you are working with, then you fill in the gaps. You transfer the movement information and make it stick with tools and with lots of training. And this, this training part, this is where creativity comes in. I truly maintain that to be a great teacher, not only do you have to be, you know, skilled and informed on the subject matter, but you must be wildly creative and sensitive and resilient and patient. Saints, I tell you. Saints. Our teachers are saints. And I'm back. So as a movement coach, you must find ways, create whole languages sometimes, to transfer information that may seem foreign in a way that makes it feel like second nature or in a way that helps it to become second nature. So you might start broad, then fill in the details, or you might get straight to the nuance, like, hey, how do you move your eyes? How do you think you would hold your hands? Where do your fingertips face when you hold the microphone? Things like that. You might actually start there because, in my opinion, if you start on the outsides and work your way in, everything will sort of fall into place. I suppose that's an example of the many different approaches to the how you do the work question. But like any other position, there will be ways of approaching a, a problem that are more effective. Um, and there will be good days and there will be bad days. And you must always keep going. And you must always know that progress does not happen in a linear fashion. There will be plateaus where progress seems to slow and benchmarks of satisfaction <laughs> seem few and far between. Um, and then there will be breakthrough moments, like that aha moment. Um, sometimes those will come two in one day. That like, you know, super quick, something locking in. Uh, oh, take for example, when the person you are working with finally gets the right shoes so they can actually twist and swivel and turn. Or, um, or that kind of hard to come by but really good feeling moment when that mind-body connection unlocks a posture or, or your sense of balance. Um, let me back up and demystify that mind-body connection thing real fast. I'll give you a couple examples. So for many years as a young dancer, I was told, shoulders down. Put your shoulders down. Dana, your shoulders in your ears. Put your shoulders down in my turns all the time. Shoulders down in my jumps. You'd get higher if your shoulders were down. Like all of the thoughts about shoulders being down. Which is to say none of those notes stuck. <laughs> it wasn't until somebody said, Dana, lengthen your neck. That boom, I figured it out. <laughs> uh, another example, one of my favorite teachers and humans of all time Spencer Theberg, he offers that in a one-legged balance on releve, like either in passe or coupe, you can mentally keep that working leg down 
even as the physical leg lifts, the idea of having two legs connected to the ground helps to maintain a physical structure that's more conducive to actual balance. Like me thinking that both my legs are down keeps both hips square, keeps a gentle natural curve in my spine. But if I'm not thinking about both legs down, I'm thinking about one leg up, I lift my hip, I arch my back, I can't balance. So it's it's click in aha moments like that that happen throughout a, a movement coach's process um, and watching them happen is so magical. I I absolutely live for those moments and I will endure any length of plateau <laughs> to find them. Um, but yeah, again, you must have your finger on the pulse of what is working and what doesn't work. And I don't necessarily think that plateau means doesn't work. I simply think that some things take time and you don't get to decide when the aha moment happens. You just keep throwing ideas out, trying different things. And when it hits, it hits. <laughs> so if I had to if I had to nail this one down, I would say that a great movement coach is a well-informed and very creative teacher, translator, and a partner to a person who otherwise might be having a really, really private process. I'm speaking specifically about actors. Usually the preparation for a role happens alone. So for, um, for someone to be let in on that process, I think of as a very great privilege and something that's very delicate. So I do think movement coaches are great teachers, they're great communicators, but also um, are very sensitive. And uh, I think that finding the right movement coach is probably akin to finding the right therapist. <laughs> like, very, very important. Um, in my episode with Tuggy, she talks a little bit about creating a language and pulling from her theater background. I love this. This creating of a language thing is real. The making up of words, the making up of imagery, the, the, the making something stick. Um, this is the job of a movement coach and, and also a movement director, I think, especially given that most of the time movement directors have less time. So you have to make it stick and you have to make it stick fast. So I, uh, Tuggy pulls from her theater background. I pull from my mime training and years and years of teaching dance to all levels Seven-year-olds, 70-year-olds. Actually, I was recently reminded that my first job in L.A. was teaching an adult ballet class at Millennium Dance Complex. And I did have a 70-year-old student in there. Um, and that really helped me dial my teaching skills to all levels with the one goal of making movement make sense. And I, I, I fancy myself somewhat of a traffic cop who stands at this intersection of mind and body. Sometimes in a session, the mind presents a roadblock. Usually it's in the form of a sentence like, I can't do that, or Ugh, it just won't work. I just can't do it. I'm not right. I'm messed up. I can't. And then the body freezes up. <laughs> Sometimes literally shaking up the body, moving the body, will help the mind think a new thought. Like, 
oh, that feels good, or I can do this part, or um, let's see what's another good shaken body thought. Also, let's just come on back to the fact that exercise and movement gives you endorphins, and endorphins make you happy. So sometimes moving the body is the key to unlocking the mind. However, sometimes the body is what is locked. It can't figure out how to spin. It can't figure out how to balance. It can't figure out how to step on the right foot, on the right rhythm, or maintain this desired posture. Uh, and the only thing needed to unlock the body's challenge is a different way of thinking about movement. Like I mentioned Spencer's idea about having both legs down even though you're standing on one and the other is high up in the air. These are those aha moments that I love so much. Those, those I call them anchor thoughts the thought that you can think that will hold you down when water gets rough. Um, okay, so that's that's me. Those are my thoughts about choreography, movement direction, and movement coaching. Now I wanted to close it out with a couple rapid-fire burnout questions that I have gotten from people along the way that I think would make great thought conversation for you and I today. Uh, somebody once asked me, like, what's your definition of a great coach or what makes a great movement coach. And I responded, a, a great eye for detail, a wide range of skills, interests, and vocabularies. That comes in clutch. If you can speak mime, awesome. If you can speak improv, comedy, great. Acting, awesome. Laban technique, fabulous. If you can speak sports, awesome. If you can speak music, great. How about speak anatomy? Yes. Some people very much respond to that. Um, so yeah, I think I think the things that make up a great coach are are that eye for detail, a range of skills and vocabularies, and um, a lot of sensitivity, and of course, creativity, essential. Uh, next question. Are there differences in working with dancers versus working with actors? Is there a specific language that works or doesn't work? I love this question. And obviously, given my entire spiel up to this point, it varies from person to person. But in general, I find that actors are so down to try anything. They will try some weird shit. <laughs> um, take, for example animal work, which is where you would identify or or link the animal that is most kindred with the character. Um, let's say, for example, um, Le Fu from, what's it called, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast, might be most like a pig or, it, yeah, like a piglet, like a baby pig who never knows where he's going and is really clumsy. Um, or let's say... Gaston is probably more like a bull, um, very broad-shouldered and testosterone-driven. Um, anyways, I've done this work with several actors and had huge breakthroughs, I think because they're open and, in general, really want to tap into their bodies, um, and they want to unlock something about the character. They want to get closer to feeling like the character feels. I think dancers seem more concerned about doing cool steps or doing the right steps or doing like something that works, like doing the, the move that gets attention. Um, they seem to care more about looking good than unlocking a secret, you know, like a secret to the character or a secret to the language. Um, not to mention dancers also carry a lot of habits like 
belly in, shoulders down, for example, which become muscle memory over time. And they can be really hard to unlearn. But what if your character called for a low hanging belly and a swivel back or shoulders up tight? Like, can be actually harder to work with the person who already has habits than uh, an actor who is more like a an actor with zero dance background, who's more like a blank slate. Um, but I would say this. I think in many cases, actors with not a lot of movement background are less aware of their habits and maybe insecure about them being pointed out. So when I give notes to actors, I try to do it directly, but gently. Um, and when I give notes to dancers, duh, I give it in dance speak. <laughs> I guess. And when I give vice, vice versa, when I give notes to actors, I give it in human speak. Um, that's probably the, the biggest difference is the language. It's not so useful to use dance language to an actor who may already feel othered in a dance studio. Uh, and you don't need to further enhance that othering by using words they don't understand. So there's that. Oh my goodness. Next. Um, how do you begin the process? Like how do you begin uh, what's the best way to start? Is it with physical work uh, that impacts emotion later on? Or is it starting with the emotion and intention? And is is that way somehow more efficient? Um, yes. And yes. <laughs> physical work can build confidence so the actor can loosen up and spend more time acting and less time worried about the moves. And also some of these physical elements like balance, strength, rhythm, coordination, those things can actually take time. So I like to plant those seeds early on in the process. And I'm an emotional being, if you couldn't tell by now. Every part of what I do, even drills or like across the floors, it's all laced or somehow fueled by feeling. Uh, and again, this is coming from me, but for me, it really comes down to that impasse where mind and body intersect. And there always will be a technical piece. There always will be a mindset piece. And I think a great movement coach knows when to employ each. And they know how to encourage the balance of both. Those are my thoughts on movement direction, movement coaching, and choreography, my friends. That is it for me today. Elvis comes out. This week, if you're listening to this episode on the week of its release, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, it comes out this week as I'm recording it. So it will have been out for almost a week if you're listening to this on the day of its release. Oh, my God, that was so much to remember. Elvis comes out on the 24th, which is a Friday, I think. Look at me just giving false information. I'm excited to see it. Um, I hope you get to go check it out. I hear that Austin does a great job. I'm oh so proud of our work together. Uh, shoot me any questions you have about this episode. Shoot me any questions you have about the film. If I can, NDAs permitting, I will answer them. Um, and if you're digging the pod, please leave a review, leave a rating. I know dance, you guys. This is what I know. I know movement. But um, I think the dark, mysterious ways of the algorithms work like this. You leave reviews and ratings. It makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. Um, and then all that algorithm voodoo aside, I get really encouraged 
when you leave that feedback. So I very much appreciate it. Whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can leave ratings and reviews in both places. Um, you can also hang out with me a whole lot by joining the Words That Move Me community. Visit wordsthatmoveme.com for more information. And uh, now go. Get out into the world. Keep it funky. And I feel like I want to add something, but it always feels weird when I add something at the end. So we'll just, we'll leave it at that. Get out into the world. Ooh, this feels so weird. feels like I want to make a callback to the episode. <sighs> stay creative. Stay sensitive. And of course, keep it funky. Awkward. Okay, bye now. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not Words That Move Me related. <laughs> all right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.